Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the PKN Podcast. I'm Grant McCarran, and in this episode, we're going to be talking about packaging that protects the planet. And we're joined by Joanne Howarth, founder and CEO of Planet Protector Packaging. But first, I'd like to introduce Lindy Hewson, PKN's managing editor and publisher and the host of this podcast. Lindy, how are you going? I'm very, very good today. Thanks, Grant. I'm so excited to be here to be talking to one of my favorite packaging industry people, someone with big passion whose work is having a big impact. Um, and that's no no other than the founder and CEO of Planet Protective Packaging, Joanne Howarth. Joanne, welcome and thank you for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Lindy. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. So um, I call Joanne the Woolpack Warrior, and there's a, there's a good reason for this, as we'll discover in today's episode. Now, Joanne's company, Planet Protective Packaging, was founded four years ago, so it's a relatively young company, with a mission to eliminate polystyrene in cold chain packaging by using in its place a packaging solution that incorporates sheep wool waste as the insulating material. So it's a really interesting story. Joanne, take us back to the beginning. Lindy, as you say, it is a very interesting story. My story is one where I went from being a waste offender to now a plastics warrior. So my business was engaged four years ago and we were managing the operation for Australia's largest meal kit, which at that stage, it was very early days in the in the meal kit industry growth. We established the operation and as we did, it was a very big business. We had 170 full-time staff. We were receiving goods in polystyrene unpacking them and repackaging them into consumers' boxes to dispatch all around the country. I felt like I was single-handedly destroying the planet. I had a roster of forklift drivers who were really just managing the flow of polystyrene in and out of the warehouse. There was toxic fumes and really for the future of e-commerce and I, I knew that there had to be an alternative At that stage, I was compelled. It went against everything that I stood for. And I was really compelled to seek a sustainable alternative. So, Joe, what what was that alternative? Well, Lindy, I did probably two years' research while operating this business. And I came across an innovation that had used wool. And um, we like to speak of our product as nature's smart fibre. So it's just as the, the wool keeps the sheep warm in winter, so too it keeps the cool in summer. And so what our product does is leverage the thermal properties of wool. Wool is the best natural insulator on the planet. And so there was a lot of R&D into, um, and bear in mind, Lindy, I'd come from the food industry. I knew nothing about sheep or wool. So it was a very steep learning curve Um, to look at the proprietary blend that gives the optimum thermal performance. Joe, this wool is not uh, the wool that would otherwise be used in garments and so on. It's actually waste wool. Is that correct? It is, Lindy. That's, yeah. And that's probably one of the best parts of the story because traditionally, like sheep are shorn once a year and generally the yield will be somewhere around three kilos. But of that, 
there's probably half a kilo that's all the underbelly of the sheep. It's, it's the bits that are not of commercial value. So the cost to collate and to market those, and there's really no application. So in the past, that wool has gone to landfill. And so what really excites me is not only have we created a product that's really amazing for the planet and an alternative to polystyrene, but it's made out of a waste stream. And I think that's really exciting, particularly when we've got so many drought-stricken farmers across Australia. It's nice to be able to support them. So when it comes to what the wool pack packaging solution looks like, so Grant, just so that you know, because you might not have seen this packaging before, um, the whole pack itself, is it involves an insulated lining that where the wool is inside a flexible plastic um, sheath. So perhaps, Joe, I'm not going to say too much more. If you can describe the structure. So, Grant, it's a very simple product, albeit that it's a very complex blend of fibres. What, what we do is we scour the wool and there's nothing toxic, no chemicals, no additives. Everything's pure and simple. So the wool is beautiful and fluffy. And once it's been scoured and cleaned, it goes through a felting process. So we make, and this is the variables that we can control, is the density and the thickness of the product. So often we have all sorts of different customers, but we work with them to understand the supply chain and to understand their needs around thermal performance. And then we can customize a fit for purpose solution. So once the wool has been filtered, it's cut to size. And as Lindy says, we want to contain any loose fibers. The final stage of the assembly is that it's sealed inside a film. And um, we have a choice of films. We do either a recyclable film or a compostable film. So it just depends on what the clients are looking for. Obviously, with the compostable film, the whole solution is biodegradable. So if you bury it into the soil, in six months, it's completely broken down. Otherwise, for the recyclable option, you separate the wool and you separate the soft plastics and that goes to soft plastics recycling. So when it sits in the box, Grant, what happens is you put the two interlocking liners that cover all the internal walls of the box. So it's really just like two liners that seal the inside face of the box and then you pop your goods inside and pop it over the top. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Thank you. So, Joe, perhaps um, you could tell us who's using your product. Yes, Lindy, it's very interesting. I, I never knew there was so much demand for insulated packaging, but um, we do a lot, obviously, in the food sector, um, a lot with artisan foods, um, dairy, meat, um, seafood. You know, we're doing things like probiotics. We're doing a lot with IVF with cosmeceuticals, things like Botox, and obviously a lot of pharmaceuticals. So, you know, and particularly I think one of the challenges for us, Lindy, has been that over the years there's never really been a, an alternative to polystyrene that delivers equivalent thermal performance. And our solution delivers superior performance. And so there's a lot of products that have been in the market and people represent that they do the job, but in fact they don't. And that's made it harder because 
sometimes businesses tend to be sceptical. But once they do the testing and their own validation, they see that this is the real thing. And so for us to win big national pharmaceutical clients who've done due diligence over 12 months, it gives us a lot of confidence in our product. And once we win those people, it gives other clients confidence that if they've made the change and they're shipping chemotherapy drugs, you know, very high value items, then people feel more confident that we can deliver what we say. Well, it's not just uh, the big clients that you've been winning. <laughs> Your products have also won a number of awards and they started winning awards from early on, from 2017. But most recently, uh, one of your products, the Lobster Protector Packaging Solution, won the Packaging Innovation and Design Award for our region, a gold award in the food category. And I just thought perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about the, that pack in particular and its uh, potential market. The Lobster is the Lobster Protector, it's called is one that really excites me, Lindy. We worked on that project for 12 months and we worked um, doing live trials with industry partners. The challenges around shipping live lobster for export were enormous. So when you're shipping live product, you've got to look at the breathability, the oxygen levels, all of those things. And, um, you know, so we, we wanted to design a solution that was completely plastic-free, and that's what the lobster protector is. So it optimises, it, it's the wool inside, a laminated biodegradable carton, the wool liners inside, and it gives the thermal stability that you need at the same time as removing um, little apertures, like little breathing holes, enable the lobsters to breathe. It takes away the carbon dioxide. And the end result is that the lobsters arrive at their destination looking much fitter and much healthier. The, the mortality rates are much lower. And um, a lot of times I can well imagine, because I wouldn't like to travel in a polystyrene box, and uh, in the past, that's what's happened. And, you know, they lose a lot of weight and humidity and things like that along the way. And um, so, yeah, the Lobster Protector has had huge success. The companies that we worked with uh, are right across Australia and New Zealand. And the lobster industry is worth billions of dollars every year. So we're very excited. We've got the support of both the lobster associations and uh, they've written and reached out to all of their members, encouraging them to really lead on the seafood front. Well, that is, it is so, I've seen this, Grant, it's quite an impressive pack. And I suppose if you're traveling to your end destination, which might be a chef's pot, you do want to do it in the happiest style that you can. <laughs> be as comfortable as possible on the way to the pot. <laughs> I've just designed, Lindy, our lobster protector box for the um, World Star Awards. And um, I wanted to have a bit of fun with it this time. And we've done a beautiful graphic that says lobsters traveling in style. <laughs> That's fantastic. So, Grant, just so you know, if you win a regional award, the Packaging Innovation and Design Awards for the Australian New Zealand region, if you win that award, you then are eligible to enter the World Star Awards, which are the program run by the World Packaging Organization. And, Joanne, we were speaking, Grant and I, the other day to Pierre 
um, the president of the World Packaging Organization, talking a little bit about the world stars. So it's really great. Um, I think your lobster protector stands a jolly good chance of, of getting recognition on the world stage. I hope so. That was life-changing when we won before. Now, it's not just the packaging that's been winning awards. Most recent news was that Joanne herself, Grant, has won um, the Cartier Laureate for South Asia and Oceania, which um, makes her one of very few people from our region who has ever won that. It's a women's award. Uh, Joanne, do you want to tell us a little bit about that award, what went into entering it and why you won it? Most certainly, (laughs) Lindy, you're very kind, but... The Cartier Women's Initiative is a wonderful initiative sponsored by Cartier, obviously, to support female entrepreneurs of impact businesses. So whether it's social impact or environmental impact, it's a global initiative and they reached out to me. It was a very rigorous program. I was invited to enter the competition. Um, They had more than 3,000 applicants And um, after a series of, well, I'd have to say it was a rigorous program of coaching and mentoring and and everything, they really developed us and it's with an idea to make us investment ready to expand our impact and go globally. The prize is very generous and I have to say Cartier are a very generous organisation in so many respects. And, um, yeah, so the prize was $150,000 Australian dollars. I've also won a scholarship to study at INSEAD, which is the best business school in the world. But more than anything, the thing I value most is the opportunities that it presents through this extensive network of impact investors, like they're opening doors, we're in discussions with the United Nations, we're working like Mongolia has a lot of sheep, we're trying to work, you know, like on such exciting projects that I never envisaged would be on our horizon. And we we are just in the process of the final stages of getting ready to raise capital early in the new year. So it's been a great achievement. It certainly has. So, Joanne, I heard from you, but I I would like to hear more about this, that Tasmania is your next port of call. It is, Lindy, and that's super exciting as well. It's a shame I can't visit there. But we've always had our eyes set firmly on Tasmania. I think it's it's the culinary, the best of the best in in Australia. And uh, we've been doing a bit of work, I think, there's a bit more progressive down there. Like everybody's really keen, like the politicians. We've put together an initiative that they call Tassie Poly Free by 23, um, which is amazing. Like, yeah. And um, we've already, in doing our feasibility, we wanted to establish what sort of demand there is down there. And there's such fine produce, you know, the abalone, the beautiful seafood, berries, cherries, and a lot of this is being exported under the brand Tasmania and a lot of it is going out in polystyrene that really does not reflect the quality of the produce. They're really wanting to do something premium. Uh, So we have um, an initiative in place at the moment and we're looking to establish um, the operation probably early in the new year. I think I read something just recently 
that in the post-COVID world, there's going to be a big focus on sustainable packaging in Tasmania. I think they have so many beautiful resources and I know that one of the government's initiatives is to establish manufacturing in each of the different states of Australia. And I'm privy to the discussions that the focus for Tasmania will be on sustainable packaging. Um, the government has been advised by the former Dow chemical boss to, to really work out a national industrial strategy. And um, so it's, it's wonderful that we've got the opportunity. There will be a lot of funds and incentives and, you know, to promote the regional growth and the regional manufacturing. And we intend to capitalise on all of that and uh, be part of the fact that, you know, Tasmania will be, um, Lindy might even end up moving there. I think it's going to be the big packaging headquarters for Australia. Well, I've, I'd certainly be open to that, Joanne. <laughs> it, it's um, certainly so, cooler than Sydney at the moment. <laughs> so tell me, Joe, are you actually setting up a plant there? We are setting up a plant there. We're just looking at a site at the moment. Um, we've done all the numbers and um, we've got so many clients on there literally just waiting for us to arrive. Um, the cost of shipping our product across Bass Strait is cost prohibitive and so we're staying connected with all of these people. We're very heavily involved with State Growth Tasmania, with the Seafood Industry Council. Like We've got a, a little, I guess you'd call it, all the stakeholders working together because they're very much aligned with our vision to eliminate polystyrene in Tasmania. So hopefully I'll be on the ground down there early in the new year, Lindy. I'll certainly invite you to come and stay. Definitely. And um, are, the, are you going to be using any Tassie wool? We would love to use some Tassie wool. We use a lot of Australian wool and we use um, kiwi wool as well. That's what our product is made of. When we first started, um, not knowing a lot about sheep and wool, it was my dream that I was going to have this beautiful white fluffy merino wool. Um, merino wool has got many applications, most of which are in textiles and a lot of it is exported. One of the things that I had to learn is it's the wool from the underbelly of the sheep. It's the parts that nobody wants. And Australia doesn't have too much of that wool. We have such, we've got the best wool in the world. We do have lots of um, farmers that supply what we have, but as our business scales, like at the moment, we're using more than 20 tonnes of wool every single week that goes by. So that's a lot of wool. It's, it's really a lot of wool. So I know that, you know, and that's a great thing about it, like, one question that everybody always asks me, are there enough sheep in the world? And the fact is there's no shortage of wool because sheep are shorn every year and it's 100% renewable. So so that's great. But, yes, we've definitely connected. And, and one of the sites that we've been looking at down there, Lindy, is actually an old woolen mill. And so we've been looking at maybe, and that's sort of like a tourist destination down there where they showcase the old spinning looms and things like that. And we're in discussions to look at whether or not we can fit in somewhere there so that we could be part of the attraction of what we're doing with wool in 2020. 
So you become like a destination as well where people would want to come and visit. I remember years ago going to when the body shop first was around and they had a whole destination factory and you could go and see how they made their products. And um, it was really superb. But also just to get into that whole culture of wool and, and what's all, what is involved, the heritage of it, the, you know, the pedigree of your product as such. So I did hear you say just now that um, you're preparing to um, get investment ready and to raise some capital. So what is the intention of when you raise that cap- capital? What, what are your expansion plans? Our expansion plans are to move into Southeast Asia. Lindy, you more than anyone would be aware that Australia and New Zealand combined represents just 1.3% of the global packaging market. And for a business like ours, in four short years, I think that we've made our mark, but we have big sites to grow. And Asia accounts for 46% of the global market. And so they're right on our doorstep. And when you look at some of the documentaries, I saw that show on Four Corners a couple of weeks ago. I don't know whether you saw about the plastics in Indonesia and the, and everything. I think that there's an opportunity for us to really, for me, it's all about our impact. And I think that if we can get to these developing nations before they make the mistakes of going down the tracks that we ha- already have, we really can have great impact and get a lot of clients on board with, you know, with the um, move away from polystyrene. And that kind of ties in with your work now with the United Nations Industrial Development Organization, doesn't it? It does. That's right. So um, through Cartier, we, we were introduced to the United Nations. And one of the things around the Cartier Women's Initiative is that you've got to be very mindful and, and you know, working towards the UN Sustainability Development Goals. And uh, so there's enormous challenges. Through this competition, I met the most amazing women, Lindy. You'd be so inspired. You know, there's African women running around, like delivering blood on the back of a motorbike and saving people's lives. And, you know, I'm very humbled to be in the same category as these women. But one of the things is that the focus in Mongolia as an up-and-coming nation is on sheep and leather. And they have 40 million sheep there and they have really not many opportunities to commercialise it. And the type of wool that they have there, it's not just from sheep, Lindy. They have so many different animal fibres, camels, goats, you know, like it's incredible. Um, And so they're interested and there's a pilot program to see if we could set them up so that then they would be a base from which we could supply into Asia. So this would be remarkable. Like I would like the fact that it would help us with our solidify our supply chain and we would have control over the production. But as well as that, it would be giving so many people the opportunity to learn new skills and, you know, it's, it's really, that's what keeps me inspired. Yeah, that would be so exciting and very empowering. I mean, just to add to your many accolades, um, we've had recently I heard that you were featured, your company was featured as a case study in the World Wildlife Fund Australia's Plastic Revolution to Reality Report. So, and where did that go? What, what happened with that? 
that was amazing. Did you see the um, the video that Minister Trevor Evans um, did about our product? I saw that on LinkedIn, yes. Yeah, it was incredible. So we worked with the World Wildlife Foundation and uh, they were wanting to release their latest report around plastics and, and the oceans and they wanted to do it with some impact and they approached us to put together a box for them into which they could pack a lot of wonderful innovations, all plastic-free, um, you know, and so they put together the box and we wrote a letter to the Ministers for the Environment nationwide. So Scott Morrison actually received one of our boxes and it, it was with great acclaim, like it was very welcome. And the next day, Trevor Evans reached out and he's wanting to um, make some tours and visit some of our customers and, and everything. And it's very encouraging because, you know, the hardest thing is a small business and, and particularly a startup that's trying to change something that's been, you know, the way it is for as long as it is. We need more government support. Like you see things like this every day, Lindy. I honestly don't know how you do what you do. But it's wonderful that I think the momentum is slowly moving, like, you know, to have him stand up and support that. And I think, like, we need the supermarkets to to mandate these things like they have in New Zealand. It's incredible the momentum that they've got over there because the supermarkets won't receive products that are packed in polystyrene. So I, I look at us all and, and you in your role and, and me as the, the owner of my business and I think if we all really got together, it's people power. We don't need the government to make the policy. You know, it's it's very sad for me. We had one client with whom we were speaking, a very big user, probably one of Australia's biggest users of polystyrene. And we did, you know, the whole pitch. We, we talked to them over a period of three months. They tested the product. It works. And right at the end, they said, come back when it's legislated. And that just breaks my heart. Like, that's what keeps me awake at night, Lindy. Well, I was going to ask that question, Joe. <laughs> so I'm glad to hear that. And I, it is very disappointing. And I know when, you know, when you've really put in the hard yards and you think you've, you've really can put a convincing argument forward, um, it is disappointing. But every little chip away at that old polystyrene block, um, you're, you're, we're getting closer. So honestly, I'm going to um, bring this to a close now, but I want to say that you are so impressive what you've achieved and what your company and your team, I know you always acknowledge your team, what your team has achieved to date is really making a fantastic difference. So thank you for joining us today, Joanne. Oh, thank you, Linda. You're very kind and very supportive. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Well, Joanne, Lindy, thank you very much for being on the show once again. And uh, we've really appreciated this uh, insight into what you're doing there, Joanne. Sounds fantastic. I'm looking forward to watching what comes out next and uh, especially keeping an eye on Tasmania. And uh, that reference to camel hair, that's interesting. Grant, you get out there and you spread the word. Say no to polystyrene. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast. Produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News. Owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media or the guest's employer. 
The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.